Welcome to Surf Stories. This is Kevin Miller, your host, and we're back with another episode, this time with guest host Tyler Brewer, who will be joining us when we talk to Chaz Smith. He has a new book out, and it's called Blessed Are the Bank Robbers. I've got it right here. I'm looking at it. It's very good. We'll talk all about it in the uh, in the podcast, so I won't uh, go into it much here, but basically it's his fourth book, and he uh, has come up with a doozy, in my opinion. It's, it's a well-written book that you will find yourself on the edge of your seat at times. And yeah, he joins us for a discussion. Tyler is with Hardcore Surf History, among other things. Um, you know, him and his brother, Jamie, discuss surf history on their podcast, and I would recommend giving that a listen, too. If you guys have any questions, feel free to email us at info at floridasurffilmfestival.com. I want to thank our sponsors, Monster Energy for the festival and Rourke Revival Apparel, Globe Footwear, Yeti, Atlantic Center for the Arts, among others, for helping us out with this project. And here we go. Let's get into the discussion with Chaz Smith. Apple Books, right? And, or you uh, can yeah. just listen to Audible and buy it. And, exactly. <laughs> which I did. Uh, very nice job, by the way, Chaz. Uh, much, much better than the narrator for Cocaine, a uh, love story. No offense. But the guy called OP Op. So. Uh, the, uh, after that one, I insisted on reading my own from then. So thankfully, Welcome to Paradise had never been read either. So I read yeah. that one too. And Good. Then, yeah. yeah. Bless him. Brilliant. I mean, I let I just gotta say congratulations from a personal standpoint. I've written uh, short fiction in my life. I've started a novel. I've written a screenplay, started screenplays, but you finished your fourth venture into this craziness, and it's all about self discipline. I have no idea how you do it. And is it coffee related? Is it ritual related? <laughs> what is it that you can mm. a goal? Is it money that you want anything? I doubt it. What, what is it? <laughs> no, I mean, I, I just, it's an addiction to writing books. I just, I love sitting down and writing books and how I do it has changed. Of course, the first one, I wasn't a father yet. And so had all the time in the world just to, you know, spin and play and type and type and type. Uh, then sort of as it's changed now, you know, now I am not only homeschooling, you know, kind of primary parent in terms of wife is, you know, has a, has a high stress job and has gone a lot. So homeschooling the kid, driving to ballet, but just, I love it so much, I suppose that it's just sliding it in whatever hour I have here or there. I sort of realized with this last one, I crave again, which I think if, yeah, if, and when I start number five, I crave, uh, uninterrupted time and so i'll probably take like five days off at some point you know this this next run and just go away go and just like type and type and type yeah that's attractive i think like hewlett does that in mexico every couple of weeks he'll fly down to his place in mazelan and just work out whatever he's working on. i think he is working on a book too by the way and uh you know tyler you've done a lot of writing in your life i went to school for creative nonfiction at the new school and amazing I didn't and know it, that. Yeah. It ruined writing for me, to be honest. <laughs> I hear you. That's I feel the same way. I, I met authors. It. I thought, you know, I had this glorified, glamorous view of writers and same, maybe like you, I got into it, met some writers. I met Richard Ford. I uh, met, uh, I don't know, a handful of other writers that do it for a living and they were miserable. And, and yeah. they were also like, not really, I don't know. Uh, Richard Ford was probably the best. He, 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 he had his head on straight and was for sure the best writer I, I ever got to run into billy collins is a friend of mine two-time poet laureate um he has it made he figured he's figured out a way to translate to the page and and have a good time with it but for the most part it is not a glamorous thing spending time in a room by yourself this story in particular seems like it was a long time coming and gelled perfectly and was sort of writing not itself because you needed to spend a lot of time on it and uh and make it flow right your cadence and you your voice is is unique and beautiful and 
it speaks to me personally, but the story itself is rich. And I feel like you really hit your stride like a third of the way into the book. Mm. And the, the last two thirds of the book were really, really hard to put down. I was just fascinated. And you did a really good job of explaining not just your cousin's mindset, because this is creative nonfiction, um, but it's got this element of not maybe not creative non yeah there is such a thing as creative nonfiction in yeah. a way it's like yeah. memoir yeah but since you're not the main character you also get to lay upon this sort of sidelong view uh gatsby style of like how this fabric of evangelical upbringing breaks down into a life of crime and on the lamb and i don't want to give away too much <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like when we're what I want to do is sort of just ask you what about the idea of a book writing itself? Did this one just flow or was it, you know, give, give us the beginning of the impetus of the idea. And then today. The, the beginning of the impetus was once uh, after the podcast dust up with Ash and Goggins, uh, Danny, my cousin, who had robbed a bunch of banks and then went to jail and then got out of jail and then, yeah, started again and went on the lamb. Like, I had no idea where he was. Nobody knew where he was or obviously you don't know how do you get a hold of somebody, you know, who's avoiding the law. Uh, but he reached out to me after that. And once he reached out to me, like, I mean, that's just the way my mind works. I think anyways, everything's always a book. Uh, but this, I just thought, oh, man, like this life of bank robbery and of you know running from the fbi and of just that combination and what i wanted it to be ideally i wanted to go find him right i thought if i could go find him and experience personally uh you know how life on the lamb feels and i was you know obviously like the legal ramifications of that what's hating <laughs> the betting and what's you know clearly at that but I was, I was trying to work it out still, like, of there's got to be a way, there's got to be a way to go see him and experience this thing, you know, and yeah, he got caught before I could do that, but the, the idea I had planted, though, of writing it. One of the things I didn't expect about the story was uh, how being on the lamb was pretty much exactly what I thought it would be. And that is like a fragile eggshell existence on the periphery of society with um, one license plate check away from going back to driving the speed limit at all times, like never making um, eye contact or something with, I don't know, just like it seems, it seems like a foreign country would have been a very, very attractive uh thing and i i don't know why i didn't end up in baja and beyond i don't know why i didn't you know i don't want to spoil it for readers but um it, it's way more difficult obviously if you don't have a passport in hand that can at least pass muster i would imagine yeah that's the thing i mean he flew to hawaii on his fake license right like it went wow. through tsa and everything uh on his you know fake dark net whatever license with his fake name and all that but getting a fake passport that like if the TSA guy, you know, he had gambled, but they don't run your license there. Right. They're just yeah. checking. Like, it's not like it's going into, into a database. So still a, still a gamble, but you, you like a passport just doesn't work because it actually gets scanned and the information has to be on the other end and all that kind of stuff, which I think for him, I don't think he ever wanted to. I think he uh, liked sort of to live life the way he was living it. Right. Which was very, kind of American centric. How do you make money in a foreign country? Like if you, if you don't have enough, which, I mean, that's what I would have done too. I would have mm -hmm. robbed enough banks and saved it all and then bounced. Cause at that point you don't need to launder the money. You know, you can, I mean, just drop it into a Mexican bank, exchange it for pesos and off you go. Uh, I mean, yeah, that's what I would have done, but yeah, it's hard. It's, it's crazy how you just think, Oh, you just have to kind of wear a dark hat and dark sunglasses and be, <laughs> but yeah, no, like you, the daily practice of not being caught seems exhausting. But he he solved it. I mean, in the book, he goes to a uh, a commune 
yeah. where they don't they don't you know identity check there but he couldn't take it like it was better for him to get caught than to live the rest of his days in a commune well to me but you say that go ahead tyler sorry i was gonna say to me this book is such a a rebuke of both of your upbringings in some ways and of christian you know of this christian conservative culture and here he is kind of going against it in his life and then all of a sudden he ends up in this calm Christian commune, the place that probably where he started in some ways, you know, I thought that was really fascinating. And this, there is this definite conflict constantly. I was feeling throughout the whole book of, of going against the grain, going against what you're supposed to do and, and your families and seeing like how, how both of you came from these prominent uh, religious family families. And both of you have kind of, rebelled against it and and that that's that bond that you both of you have it was it was funny that like our our rebellion though looks different right like yeah. i'm i am entering or yeah like i go to the catholic church now right like i've abandoned evangel evangelicalism for catholicism like i'm sunday morning <laughs> at mass right like i still believe where when danny let go of his belief i was like come on now like what else do you have besides belief for, you know, like you might as well hold your belief. It makes it way funnier. Like, like initially I thought he was trying our first couple interactions. I think he was trying to paint a picture for me of his life, which, which was a version that he thought I wanted to hear, which was right. like, you know, cocaine in bathrooms and this kind of stuff. And I was like, that sounds lame to me. Like I've seen that I've been there. That's not cool. Like, tell me more. I want more. I want, I wanted him to do more, which I think he eventually started getting to a bit, but yeah, I don't know. It, it, it also feels like there's, there's something chemically going on with him, right? Like, uh, you know, people who are, who are, uh, gam who have gambling issues, which you, you go into great depth about, um, in this book. Uh, and he, he had, that's how he kind of found his way into bank robbing spoiler alert. Sorry, people <laughs> don't know how much to give away, but, <laughs> but it, it, but I found it really interesting how you, you explore this way of like, well, what would turn someone down this path into, into being a robber? What, what takes them and leads them this way? And his was his gambling compulsion and this addiction to dopamine and it's the biological things that are happening and that would make you primed for bank robbing or doing something so crazy or intense. It's a real, it was a real bummer to me or is a real bummer to, to hang it on. I know that that's true, right? I know that there's clearly a chemical or biological thing that he has and that's what, but I want it to be more than that, right? I want it right. to be will based. I want somebody to, what, what changes your will to be able to, not do something to be able to do it. And to me, it's such a bummer. If it's all it is, is, it, is the way our chemical, you know. No, it's, it's not predetermined, though. It's not like like so many series, right? I've watched so many of these series, you know, like uh, Weeds and, and uh, all these other shows where they show these characters starting out in this perfect white picket fence life. I mean, you look at, you know, uh, Breaking Bad even, right? And they, they make these series of choices, and they make these decisions. And as you go along, you know, that rush, it's like big wave surfing, right? Like you, you start to get that tolerance level. So it's not so much a predetermined yeah. genetic thing. It's something where your tolerance level keeps going up and you keep having to kind of push it further and further. That's what I saw in this book in some ways. And, and that's, that's, I suppose, what I was really exploring personally myself is that first time you're standing over the teller, right? The rest of them, of, <laughs> of course, will or could follow. Like, I yeah. understand that. Uh, and especially when you, you know, once you box yourself in with the only thing you can do professionally is rob banks, then, you know, of course that's what you're going to do. But it's that first time. It's, it's stepping over that threshold the very first time. And I wonder, I still wonder, do we all, each of us have that in us or no, right? Like what yeah. Tyler or what Kevin would have to go wrong in your life for you to rob a bank. That is, I think the central, uh, I don't know, idea of the book. And what I found so intriguing is everybody's already thought about it. What would it take? And then, so you, what you do is you say, this might be what it takes. 
I'm mm-hmm. going to lay out a story for you. And even though I personally know majority of the details from listening to you guys talk about it, listen to you talk about Danny over the last two years or so, um, I wanted to take that journey through the book. And I was raised Catholic, uh, recovering Catholic now, basically like, you know, and, and I know the spiritual side, uh, enough to know what it feels like to say, fuck you to that upbringing. I think it's a brainwashing, terrible thing. Like I, you know, we'll all maybe disagree on that one, but I, uh, you're going to hell. I think, no, yeah, I'm, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a pretty outspoken person about this, but like, I think, uh, indoctrinating children into that. And even, even Charlie might agree as a, as an adult practicing Catholic, that that's not something that a young person should necessarily be pushed into with vigor. Um, but the idea that you guys were all raised in it, like without a choice, it's almost kind of Mormon faithy sort of thing. It has this like um, hardcore, uh, indoctrination. And then at some point, like Danny, I read this, I I read a synopsis of an article from the seventies about bank robbers and why they habitually rob banks. And I think you probably stumbled on it too. in the psych annals of psychology or whatever. And it was about people who, uh, repeatedly rob banks and they, and they have generally speaking, a, uh, a, a rebellion of some kind or revenge. The idea is like, it's more of a revenge. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, because I have also have this gambling addiction over here, maybe I'm going to take this out. And it's, it's like a self-consuming also, I know my family's famous. So I'm also going to try to do my part subconsciously to destroy that. And we're all armchairing this thing for sure. But it just feels to me, like that moment of going up to the counter, I feel like it's, I think about that, but the back behind the nerves in my head, behind my ears light up. And it's almost like a a siren or a warning of some kind. But if I think about walking up to a teller and telling them, there's an overwhelming sense of hesitation, like a crippling thing. And, And you described it so well, and you used Danny's words, but you also used your words and, and that was the central idea of the book. And you, I mean, I think you succeeded because it was really well dealt with. So, I mean, it just is, there's, we all have a point, right? We all have a, when society, the idea of right and wrong will break down. And what is it for all of us? It, I think that's similar to putting 50 grand on black or putting yeah. 25 grand on black or, or red. And, um, it's a very similar destructive uh, thing because you know the economic resources impacted on your personal life and your children and your family. If you lose that money, um, the risk averse blood flow to that part of the brain just isn't uh, working right. I don't know yeah. what's going on, but it's, it, there's, there, there's no way that makes sense. I, I, and, and that's not to say I haven't taken stupid personal risk before. I mean, driving down a Costa Rican highway last week with a friend uh you know a tire goes out we're done we're we're, we're gonna we're gonna die i don't need to go 65 miles an hour around a corner passing a, a semi uh you know that's stupid why would why would i do that but you know there's a certain things in your life and the way you react to certain situations where you don't take the necessary precautions and that's what this book kind of comes down to in a deep exploration of like faith it, it has to do with um uh, personal choice in light of the family. I don't know, man. I mean, being a nurse, somebody who actually takes care of people and then actually abandoning your child and getting into relationships while you're on the lam where you know you're going to hurt somebody who's <laughs> definitely in love with you. and Or they're going to take a selfie uh, yeah. you know, <laughs> and post it, you know? But yeah. Part, part of me wonders, I mean, I just talked to Danny yesterday. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's up in an Oregon prison. And I think maybe if things go to plan, he'll, he only has three more years. Wow. So after second big bank robbing stint, you know, he would have spent the majority, I suppose, at this point of his adult life in prison would have been, well, maybe not. It's probably overall the last wow. 14-ish years uh, or maybe a little more. So a chunk of his adult life in prison anyway. Uh, but I wonder if he doesn't look back 
like he was telling me uh, about the cellmate he has right now who uh, he was some guy who i can't remember what he's in for is fraud or something like his last one i mean he's had fascinating cellmates right so i wonder if he looks back at his this this guy anyway some billionaire fraud guy uh who is trying to figure out how to do nfts from prison uh and so <laughs> like sam talk idea, to ian cairns yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> the idea of that the people that danny's met and the experiences he's had like i wonder if he wouldn't look back and say yeah sure i abandoned my kid or didn't get to see my kid grow up you know i've been a mess but also on the other end i've robbed a bunch of banks i've been you know i know jail well like if his if his experiences on the ledger are great for him okay yeah and i i've thought about that too as you wrote tyler i'm sorry I got, yeah. no go for it go for it that is uh is he speaking now from a white collar prison no he's is he yeah is he no, is he talking okay yeah so oregon's still pretty hardcore prison well he, no i mean he says he says it's camps he called it camp snoopy compared to california i think That's california I prisons are absolutely terrible yeah. and he is he is thankful to be up there okay so given that in light of that i i don't know why it plays into this but the ledger is serious and that you didn't totally get there in the book but i don't blame you because it's sort of an escape memoir and you're not necessarily your job it would sound too didactic if you did but i think that one of the things that we're reconciling with as readers is this is super fucked up. Like that's not fucking cool to do that to bank tellers. It's not cool to do that to girlfriends and your kid. Like that's fucking, that's fucking awful to do that to your kid. And, and yet I still found myself on Danny's side a little bit with this whole, not, not his side. You see what I'm saying? Like, but like, sure. I want him to get away with it. Yeah, or empathizing because I'm I am a pretty empathetic person for the most part. Um, I don't know, maybe that's not true, but I I I feel like I feel like the book triggered those thoughts in me enough to say, "Wow, that's cool as shit," but really, is it? Yeah, no. I mean, that's that's what I wonder too. I still wonder that, right? Like, his son gets to say, "My dad is a bank robber," which is a lot cooler than saying my dad is a nurse or whatever right like or a cpa yeah exactly but also your dad being a bank robber means your dad's literally yeah. i mean i'm sure that he's you know his son's life was gutted has been gutted by not having a dad well yeah. it's it's interesting because you in the book right like there's definitely this from the narrator's perspective, a romantic vision of him. You know, you definitely romanticize a lot of a lot of what he does. And even here, right? Like you're saying, he gets his kid gets saved. My dad's a bank robber. And I imagine his kid's probably not thinking, my dad's a bank robber. He's like, fuck, my dad's a bank robber. And I imagine, and it's interesting, but at the same time, like you also like find a way to like almost justify it in, in a religious terms, I found really interesting how you were like, well, so-and-so did this for their sins and Abel was this and Adam and Eve ran from the garden of Eden. Like you, you kind of find the hypocrisy in the religious, in the religious part to justify what he's doing and, and almost make it seem like he's righteous for what he's doing. And or not, not the hypocrisy, the, the story of religion, especially Christianity, and especially I think when filtered through, I guess, any lens, but an evangelical lens is, I mean, the the Martin Luther quote, I, yes. you know, actually love is <laughs> sin and sin boldly, but love God more boldly still. Of Can you say that in idea. German? Can you say that yeah. in German again? <laughs> <laughs> nice job the, pronunciating, by the way. <laughs> that was the hardest part of thinking, reading the book to Audible. Like every time I write a foreign word, I think oh, it sounds so smart. Oh, you Looking butcher it. Cool. You butcher it. And, oh, it's so <laughs> having to go into the studio and staring at this long German passage. I've never spoken a word of German in my life. Yeah. And, and German's like double the length of what it is in English. So you're like expecting like nine da 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 da. And you're like, no, he just wants a coffee. You know? It is, I mean, it is. Uh, yeah. I every time. Every time I get to a fancy little French word or something that I've written and I'm in the 
audible booth. Why? Why did you have to be such a smartass? Just write that word in English. You know what it is. <laughs> write it in English. <laughs> Your next but, book, I guarantee, will be less of those, right? <laughs> I never learned. I never learned my lesson. That's the worst part. I am a chronic lesson not learner. <laughs> you should dub someone who says it into those sections, so it'd be almost like kind of like dubbed over movies and stuff that'd be hilarious i don't know why they don't i don't know why they don't allow because i'll sit there with the there's an engineer in the studio you know who's like that poor engineer an engineer for audible has the or whatever audiobook yeah. has the worst job in the entire world he has to sit there <laughs> listening to me reading along with what i'm saying and has to be so focused that if i miss an a and or the he has to stop because it has to be exactly like the uh, pay, like it's pay on the page. And so, st- okay, you missed a the there. Okay, you missed a. And he then, gets paid per, they get paid per word, too. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> what, I mean, that must be. Trying it. to scam me out of my 10 cents? Come on. Look, get, get into like the German section. He didn't read yeah. German. And so, like, we just have to both listen, try to find a German speaker or do it in the Google computer voice or whatever it's just it turns into an absolute disaster (laughs) but but getting back to that martin luther quote yeah like it's i found that to be it's it's funny how we can find ways to justify what we do totally (laughs) and evangelicalism gives you i mean we are saved by grace not works right and so hey man doesn't matter what i do i can go rob 50 banks i'm still saved because it's by grace not not by what i'm doing if you're gonna sin sin boldly exactly <laughs> is it is is the calvinist belief is that's not predetermination right like i thought calvinism yeah. was a yeah, predetermination yeah, yeah. Like, calvinism, it, there's a predetermined element to it and so it, is that where you guys were calvinist's kids uh no but but calvary chapel would would have grown out of the calvinist tradition mm-hmm. okay all right so yeah. anyway all right so, well so, anyway Speaking so there's of, a reason all the Hawaiians would definitely not like you then, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Calvinist missionaries. Uh, uh, sorry, I have this Kevin. In front of me, uh, and you guys, nobody out there can see it, but it is a PowerPoint presentation. Um, I'm not going to tell you what it is because I think you're going to be treated when you get to the end of the book. Um, don't cheat and, and skip ahead, but um, it is my guess that you and the publisher or editor were like, this is the nugget we got to say for the end of the book. Cause it's fucking gold, dude. I, I got that. So, I mean, you know, he writes me letters. So we write back and forth, or I guess I email, you can email from prison now. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah. So I email him regularly and, but he'll still write me letters. Cause I told him I would save it's hard. Of course, you know, they are regularly getting their cells searched and everything in their cell burned and all that. So I want Danny to write his own account of all this too. So I'm saving everything for him. Uh, I dig little kind of, or I dig into the overarching story, uh, but I didn't use very much of, I used a lot of our emails, but not a lot of his letters, but that came in a letter. And when I got that letter, I was like, this is thinking so good. I'm throwing this, (laughs) this is the ender. (laughs) Okay, good. So yeah, what what we're talking about is worth checking out. Um, If you've ever had the inclination to, uh, strike out on a life of crime and try to finance it with whatever you want to do. But uh, I I think another uh, part of the book too, is like if he had just stuck to nursing, if he had just followed the traditional path, not had an, you know, avoided the gambling thing, obviously, which is hard to do for people with addictive personalities, a score to settle in their subconscious and all that stuff. But yeah, if he, he would have, he would have done, fine with that career you would think even if he had to make a mid-career change it's a it's a hard thing to what if but like you said now this is where he's at he might be out in three years hopefully we get him to the florida surf film festival in four so uh oh, yeah. you know he's coming I will, ex- I will extend the invite he'll yeah we're flying him out can, can yeah. he listen to your podcast <laughs> still can he still listen to your podcast by the way while i while don't I, I don't think he can listen to the podcast but he can read somehow every once in a while can get beach grit Mm-hmm. And so yeah. he'll stay, he'll stay up on uh, surfy stuff through beach grit. Um, and then like vague surf world stuff. I don't know what his exact surf other outlets are, but yeah, he's able to kind of keep up. I, 
I want to ask something. It's a personal question. So don't try to jump through the screen and slap me or beat me up. Okay. I'm not asking here. Um, but, um, you know, do you still talk to your parents? I was curious. You, you know, yeah, yeah. Like it, it, it felt like from reading it, like almost like there was a little bit of a disconnect. And I was just kind of curious about that. So funny when during the writing, I was not talking to them at all. We had kind of had a, a blow up. And so I honestly had not spoken to them for maybe a year and a half, mm. uh, which is basically during the period I was writing. Um, but yeah, we're, I don't know if we're all the way cool now, but we're, I think we're back on a, a decent footing. Is that relationship like tension, you know, because of their, because are they still also quite, quite religious and are they conservative or have they kind of moved away from it too at all they i mean i think they haven't moved away from it but that's not where the the familial tension comes from i think mm -hmm. it's just it's weird families are weird right like they're hard and i see people who have easy relationships as older adult children i suppose with their adult or elderly parents and where it's all natural and easy and light and fun. And I think, wow, like good on you. That's, that's hard to do. And that's not really what I have, but it's, it's not based on anything religious or spiritual. It just, it's just weird. It just like, it broke at some point, I guess, of like what I was perceiving was happening and what they were perceiving was happening. And then once it broke, it didn't really get, addressed until it just got exploded and then that explosion just led to silence which now you know we're back not silent but it'll never it's, it hasn't felt the same to me that relationship since mm -hmm. and do you still communicate with the other parts of your family the you know like uh you know danny's you know side of it at all and and what's that like and and i'm curious also their reaction to the book yeah it's fun. not really and that's the thing that's like part of me is like you guys are all buttholes like you <laughs> like you guys could reach out to me you could reach like I haven't heard anything from any of them about the book uh did you try to get their input like when you were doing the research for everything were you trying to get interviews from them I was I'm no, curious I wasn't I I it might have been the way to go but I'm so disinterested. I know them and I know exactly what they would tell me uh, or right. I feel like me, right? I don't think there was going to be any surprise. There wasn't going to be any like introspection or any like nothing that was going to shock me. I know those, that side of the family is so polished and packaged. They've been doing what they've been doing for years and years and years and years and years, right? And so it's not like you can catch them in a, I've never been able to catch any of them in an honest moment, to be honest, mm -hmm. or, or what felt like an honest moment to me, right? It felt like this is what they were saying, but I had no idea. Maybe they were really felt that, but it, there's just so many barriers between them and what they're saying, right? And so to me, just getting, a, getting some kind of package uh, response to something wouldn't have been, was not that interesting to me. No, I agree. It's uh, similar to your approach in the movie Trouble. Uh, you know, it was nice to just hear Lisa's feedback on, uh, her career and not really deal with all the adulation that goes around it and or criticism and in this case I think it makes more sense too especially since that really wasn't I mean it's a valid question from Tyler and uh, I, I was curious to to what extent you know but I think you sort of addressed it in the end in the end as well which um, made it feel like Danny just wasn't the only one who came off or the, where the wheels came off and uh, yeah. anybody or any family who's in the public eye uh, is, is going to shirk any sort of bad publicity and, and uh, not shirk, just get, just get away from it, whatever. And you qualify in this role that you've taken on as truth sayer, as documenter of the past and the history of part of, or one of the parts of the family as as part of the family that we should just probably not, uh, we're not going to talk to yeah. about anything. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, I mean, that's one of the sacrifices, but at the same time, there's, um, there's growth to be had on their part if they take a hard look and, and I'm sure that maybe, maybe they have, maybe they haven't either way. I mean, I don't, I, wanna... I don't think, I don't know what they do. That's the, it's just so, I mean, I try to sort of deal with this. It's weird to have a family, right. And 
have it be. So at the time growing up, I just felt normal to me. That's what family was. Now looking back, I just like, what a stilted bunch of weirdness all of it was. <laughs> like not with my nuclear family, but with yeah. that extended family. Like what we spent a lot of time together and it was never natural or normal looking back. It was always weird. So have you have you read Under the Banner of Heaven? Yeah. By Krakauer. So I know it's really good. And there's a TV show right now going on with uh, Andrew Garfield and Lee Roll and oh, Sam Worthington. Yeah. It's it's on Hulu and yeah. uh, it starts off a little slow, I have to say. And uh, but it's picking up steam. It documents the the crime, you know, or the murder of a, of a of a wife and a child, you know, in the Mormon faith. But you know, that book in a weird way reminds me of yours uh not weird you know it makes sense it's like this this formulaic um upbringing in christianity and uh what the effects might have on um folks who divert or get away from in a weird way i know i what i want to do is congratulate you because that's number four it's a great book it's, uh, awesome. it's an it's an intriguing read without a doubt and uh i'm doing my part to get people out there to go out and check it out because it's really good, man. I'm in, I'm in the I'm in the presence of a very talented and hardworking writer that uh, surf I journalist. Give, give That's praise surf to journalist. Right That's surf journalist. Come on, he prides I, I himself will, on this. I I, I, ref, I I like that the fact that he calls himself surf journalist, and when in reality it is at this point smut journalist slash uh, surf journalist, and and I joke I joke, but I'm also like. Um, when he sits down to write a journalistic piece, it's 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 brilliant, and there's no no two ways about it. You guys are it's a great you're, you're fulfilling both you're fulfilling both roles. And I say smart journalists. I'm joking, Charlie, but I you know I think I oh, feel like course. you're. It's kind of a funny title that you self assigned, just like the name Chaz. Yeah, yeah Charlie. The uh, the beach grit stuff. Like, people get so mad at I know in the comments a lot, and probably in general too is. Like, this is empty tr tripe, right? Like, why in the world are you writing this? Why are you spending any minutes of your day doing this? I think my folks probably think that. Uh, and I love writing good stuff, but there's something real funny about, I mean, Beach Grid to me is really an inside joke between me and Derek uh, <laughs> that just is told publicly. Like, we are every morning without cease. He, what he writes makes me giggle so hard. And I think what I write makes him giggle. And so that's all Beach Grid is, is just, it's a running text yeah. thread uh, between me and Derek. That's just public. <laughs> I think that's every person's dream. I, I, I feel you've, you've found a, uh, a, a way to create happiness in your life and have other people enjoy it as a result. That's, in my opinion, true art, the, the art of the joke. <laughs> But man, yeah, the books, books is what I love. Books is the thing, but ooh, it's getting harder to write them though. Publishing is just going dead. Is it? I, I hear you, man. So that's why I ask, when are we going to see the TV series for Danny? I mean, I know <laughs> there are bank robbing stories out there, but I just love a good heist movie. And this has TV series written all over it. I know you've got to be talking to development people or whatever. It's funny, right? When, right before it came out, I got hit up uh, by... The Gersh Agency, which is one of the majors in Hall, like mm -hmm. one of the major Hollywood agents that develops books into into film or TV or whatever, and they were like the person I talked to was so excited and loved it. But I haven't heard a peep from them, and it's yeah, this one is weird. I thought there was going to be more fire or more smoke at least, and not it's just crickets. Well, I would say I think you should do a podcast about it too. I honestly think it would be fascinating to like, that's what people are doing a lot of the time. And it's relatively affordable to do doesn't cost too much and it could be done in such a way. And that also then is another stepping stone to getting it made into a TV series and you still can get, get paid. I can see Wondery or one of them, you know, iHeartRadio even picking something like this up. Like I, I could totally see this as that. What would be, what would be the conceit? Like, I mean, because I could get Dan on the phone to be, I mean, and record him. That's easy, right? Yeah. But, uh, like, what? Would I just ask him questions or? I think it's, it's a part of. Oh, no. I the, got, the, yeah, I got go this. Go for it. 
Go right, for it. So you're going to interview bank tellers who are. Yes. You're going to interview prison, uh, or you're you're going to go to the commune. You're going to interview like uh, what's life like on the commune. You know, you lead, it's a lead up because, in my opinion, going into that portion of the book, I was like, that's perfect. I would rather spend time in the commune with a bunch of uh, giant hairy bush naked women and um, <laughs> like you know, I guess it's going to be weird and swingers and everything like that. But like, it was only a matter of time if he stayed there before he became the full on commune leader and, yeah. and, and, <laughs> or started a cult. I don't know what, but like, anyway, so there's stuff there you could explore. There's all kinds of, I mean, it would take work, but I think it's got at least six episodes. Um, totally. You know, I think you can explore all around him. I think you can explore all around him. And then you, you only get to him towards the end. Uh, that's one aspect. The other is also, I found the, the details of how he did these crimes, how he stayed on the lamb, you exploring the dark net, that sort of stuff was really compelling, fascinating to me, because that's something that I, you know, I've thought about, but never, I don't have the gumption to go do it or, or, yeah. or to explore any of that sort of stuff. And so to me, it's, the process too is is a fascinating aspect that you can explore. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm I'm just I'm just saying, you know, like you know, no, you know my wheels spinning. You know, get David Lee Scales to record and uh, you know produce it, and uh, you know we'll pitch it to iHeartRadio and all them, and there we go. You know, I think it's got at least ten <laughs> ten hour long episodes for yeah. sure. Okay, my, my wheels are spinning. <laughs> you know, and I I mean to me, I want to just say it was a really nice departure from Surf. You know, like everything you've done in the books have have kind of revolved around surfing to a certain extent. Um, and this was like a really refreshing kind of break from that. And I think this is a direction for you to keep exploring, you know, in, in general is like outside of surf, you know, because surf, you can only go so far, I think. And, and I think this is like a really nice introduction to people outside of surfing to your work. Yeah, I'm, I, I mean, I would love to be done writing surf long form. Like, <laughs> it's fun, but I don't know, you know, maybe someday I'll have something else to say, but I've got nothing to say anymore. Uh, yeah, and so I've always, I always meant to step away, but, you know, I'm excited. I probably won't. I've even rethought, like, I really wanted the next book to be on ballet. Uh, By but, the way, forgot to mention, I'm going tonight to Lincoln Center to see the ballet. That's why we had to move this whole interview up. Perfect. Uh, to see my best friend's uh, daughter uh, is performing. So. What's playing? What's the show? Uh, Midsummer, I think okay. it's called. Yeah. Great. So I've heard good things. Yeah, I mean, I've fallen deeply, deeply in love with ballet, right? But then it's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. But then I was going to ride it through the why or through the daughter's journey, but realized I want this one to actually be great, a great book. And in order to do that, I'm going to have to follow her journey a lot more than than one year right like yeah where it's gonna have to be i mean if she's if she can actually get into an academy and then from there you know like i don't know i want to but ballet is that's where my head is at nine tenths of the day it's it's like we we went earlier this year to a show sorry this is not a surf podcast anymore we were hijacking it's now ballet Ballet (laughs) um but we went to a, a more modern ballet show and holy fuck, man, I was so blown away. It really opened a lot of doors of perception for me, you know, and my wife. And we're just like, we got to go to more of this shit. We're in New York. Why aren't we doing this? This is like amazing. And I think that idea you just said of, of following like your daughter's journey. But I think there's so many young kids in that journey in general uh, that I think is phenomenal because these kids are so impeccably self-disciplined. Uh, it's crazy. Especially it, during COVID. During COVID, like my friend's daughter uh, was doing it at home. They have a whole setup in a tiny apartment in, in New York City. It's like unreal. I mean, my daughter is nine years old, right? Nine years old. There have been multiple times when I've walked in and she is sitting in the chair with her teacher standing over saying, what the fuck were you thinking? Like, just nine dropping f-bombs like your fucking arms are all da-da-da-da-da, you're fucked and uh hemi just sitting there 
quietly crying and then take her out and be like, oof. And she'll be like, yeah, because, you know, i got to button this up, man. Like the, <laughs> the way the breaking of ballet, if you can put up with it, is something I've never seen anything like it. Yeah. It's like it's, it makes everything else look weak and wimpy and anything look just like ah, football, sloppy little jerks. Make Have a you, break for ballet right there. That's well, yeah, I was going to say there, there's a few really good ballet documentaries out there, right? Have you watched them all? I haven't watched them all. Uh, I've watched, I might have at this point, actually. <laughs> I would be interested to watch one. Do you have a recommendation? Uh, the, I mean, there's a good one out. Oh, what's it called? I'll email you. The, uh, okay. I mean, Black Swan, of course, Darren Aronofsky's yeah. oh, film. Yeah. But, it, but it's, it's so accurate in terms of the pressure and the, the way kind of the core is and that, like, there's like pressure everywhere right there's pressure from top there's pressure from side there's pressure internally there's i mean i've never been around something and again i'm in san diego right i haven't even moved to the big leagues yet but like i yeah i mean just i've danced with her in her last or i'm dancing got a show coming up this week if you're in san diego buy your tickets for capella uh but i danced the nutcracker at Christmas and I get to be in this one and <laughs> like I'm allowed to do it just because like teacher knows that I want eyes on kind of just to see this process so being able to see the way a show gets put together and you know the work that goes in and the struggle and the little you know they have the little nine or little four-year-olds running out the discipline with those little four-year-olds are even put under like point your toes point your toes all of it is yeah such a I love it. Ballet. I'm so sucked in. Okay. So if we, if we see beyond the ballet book, do we have a work of fiction coming from you at some point? Uh, it's funny. I'm also working right now on a, uh, the, I mean, so much, obviously my life revolves around daughter, just being with her and stuff. She watched this show on, I think it was Amazon prime. It's called Gordon Gibbons, my life on normal street. It was such a simple show, just a kid's show, like, you know, 12 year old actors, whatever. But dealt with like it was kind of a mystical thing uh but the show didn't deal with any hard issues right like it's, i think the dad and mom were divorced that was like the hardest issue but it was just this simple sweet hearted you know you didn't have to worry about the hot button issue of the day popping up on the show it's just it was just nice and so i thought about that and thought well that's nice i should do a kids kids ish book so i'm actually working right now on a detective kid story that's set in honolulu yes you're great yeah diamond head detective club so um that's great that's cool i'm half done with diamond head detective club but just simple you know crime solving kids hardy boys it. style or a little bit younger you think a little bit younger than hardy boys but like right uh, right in there like 13 13 year old protagonist but uh and the fun thing is i'll read it what i've got done to daughter at night so that's our nightly bedtime story test test audience yeah, there <laughs> exactly which is perfect like because she'll be either over stuff or highly engaged with stuff so then i'll go the next morning kind of rejigger and yeah fix and send it off dude that sounds that sounds really cool that's all right like a lot of fun it's all fun right. it's been fun well i i would just again thank you for uh taking the time today to to, to talk about this um we want to uh get as many people on this book as possible. But also I, I like having folks find out just how talented of a writer you are. And it's always, it's not surprising to me because I I've known you for a few years now, but um, the uh, I just know how fucking hard it is to write a book and get it out there and get it published. And I have so much respect for you. So thank you for doing that again. And uh, I, I hope you do another one reports from hell was amazing. I love that. So keep it up. Thank you. Thank you so much, Kevin. Great. You're welcome. I, thir- I definitely enjoyed it, Chaz. And uh, God, like really, really fun seeing your evolution of your writing and your style too. Uh, it's been really kind of neat to see from reports from hell to, to this book and, and everything in between and seeing that evolution. And particularly even from like surfing magazine days, you know, like seeing the trajectory, seeing the the progress and the improvement in writing is is 
it's just getting better and better and uh you should be really stoked on it absolutely yeah thank like you that. tyler and yeah uh, thanks for the, everything guys and Appreciate thanks for having on me on and where can our listeners where can everyone get this book where are they going to buy it where where should we go where should everyone go come on we gotta plug hopefully, it hopefully your local bookstore put in an order with your local bookstore bookstores are epic places keep them alive but if not amazon barnes and noble blah blah audible too audible too if you if you need to if you're driving a lot it's great (laughs) all right guys thanks for the time today and uh enjoy your week we'll go ahead and sign off here thank you thank you guys both so much all right thanks for joining us for another episode of surf stories I want to thank Tyler Brewer for coming on and co-hosting with me today. John Brooks has been traveling the world and working his tail off, so we gave him a break on this one. Uh, Thank you to Chad Smith for uh, speaking to us about his latest work, Blessed Are the Bank Robbers, and you can find that anywhere where you find books and an audible. I say enjoy it. It's uh, it's a great read. I really did uh, find myself on the plane uh getting into it so anyway uh we have tickets going on sale shortly for june 17th and 18th um by the time you hear this you'll probably know that the jerry lopez the yin the yin and yang of jerry lopez will be premiering on the east coast uh saturday night uh that 18th and birth of the endless summer will be on the 17th along with matt costa uh, he scored and made a surf movie uh, with Rourke that will be going on the big screen on the 17th. And I do believe we'll be having him play some uh, live music that night. So, you know, look forward to details on that. It's going to be a great Father's Day weekend. Can't wait to host again and have you all out to Atlantic Center for the Arts for another weekend of surf movies. By the way, Sam George will be on site to answer questions about writing the uh, Jerry Lopez documentary, along with uh, Dick Metz, who, with Richard Yellen, the director of Birth of the Endless Summer, will share the details about how he uh, found Cape St. Francis. And don't forget to post your job for free at linkedin.com slash surf. That's linkedin.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply.